nurture it would nurture us and it would we would feed off of it. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brother Don. Sister Peggy and I want to thank you all for praying for us in our sickness. We want to thank for those that filled in the ministering while we was gone, not able to go. And we thank Keith and uh, Brother Sam putting this prayer program together as we have discussed together. And we want to thank uh, Pam taking initiative with the ladies. And I understand that was wonderful. Had some wonderful speakers and had some good words said. So we want to thank all of you for it. We want to share with us this morning for a few moments. I received this yesterday. And uh, I want to read something here. Wave after wave of people broken before the Lord. A revival is sweeping this city. Revival awakening and outpour. Rogersville, Tennessee, where they've been fasting and praying. And they've been contacting churches. Not all the churches coming together, but across Tennessee, they're asking them to fast and to pray. And they're doing it. And they're seeing miraculous results. There's several pages here that they speak about what they're seeing. Men flooding the altars and weeping and crying before God. God has a plan. And the number one plan has been and always will be is prayer and fasting. That's all through the scripture. So we're going to preach on that for 21 days. We'll preach on it again tonight and um, every night in prayer to pray and to fast. will not you take your Bible, if you would, and turn to the book of Genesis, the 20th chapter, verse 7 and verse 17 and 18. We thank you all for being here today. And continue to remember those in prayer that still sick. Maggie possibly got to go home today and they have a appointment with her for Dr. Hurley and uh, Linda Swartz had her appendix taken out Wednesday I believe it was she's recovering and Dwayne Nichols will have an open heart surgery tomorrow a lot of flu going on a lot of people sick at home even today so God bless you so let's read um Verse 7. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for you, or pray for them, and they shall live. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, his maidservants, and they bore children. We'll read verse 18. And it says here, let me find out where I'm at, uh, verse 18. And the Lord had fastened, closed up all the wounds of the house of Bimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, Abraham had just come out of idolatry, but God has singled him out to pray for a nation that's not bearing fruit. If you read St. John 15, when it talks about bearing fruit, it talks about souls. It don't mean apples and oranges and things like that. It means bearing souls. So here he prays. God singles him in. And I feel in my spirit, 
And I'm seeing things, some of you, that God's already calling you and you're already stepping up into it to do things that God's calling you to do. It may be something you've never done before. Sister Pam, I don't know where you've ever done some of that before, but I thank you for stepping up into it. Maybe not knowing where you're going, but you're knowing whom you're following. And thank God for those that are stepping up in and helping him. So he called Abraham here to pray for Abimelech. None of his wives or his maidservants were bearing fruit. They had no fruit. They had no children. So he calls Abraham right out of idolatry. Glory to God. You don't have to have a 40 years experience to pray for people. You don't have to have five. You don't have to have one. All you got to have is the voice of God in your life, flowing through your life. If he can use this man of idolatry worshiper and makes him the father of faith and singles him out to start praying for these things. Notice what it says here, 3 John 1 and 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, be in hell, even as thy soul prosper. And when we preach some of these things today, God wants you healed in your mind, in your heart. Jesus spoke more about bitterness and anger and unforgiveness than he did adultery and drunkenness. He talked very little about that. And that's what we seem to major on is adultery and drunkenness. What Jesus majored on is bitterness, angry, unforgiveness in your heart. This is a heart thing. God looks on the heart. So he wants to look on the heart. Above all things, he wishes you to do what? First of all, your soul must prosper with God. You get your soul prospering with God, and all these other things will start being added to you. Heard a message here some time ago about a funeral service. The guy preached the funeral and said, Here lies the body, but I want to know where lies the soul. Where is your body today, but where is your soul? Where is your relationship with God today? He wants to use you. You're going to have faults and failures. You're going to have shortcomings. Like our Sunday school lesson this morning. There's going to be time that you want to give up. I believe Haley said, Brother Ken asked her, did you ever give up on wanting to play the trumpet? And she said, never. I heard her in an voice back there said, well, I did. Brother Clyde was asked one time, did you ever want to get up working on your doctor's degree? He said, never entered my mind. God wants us to be steadfast and be what God has called us to be. We must be more than a hearer of the word. We've got to be a doer of the word. Hebrews 10.35 said, Therefore be not, therefore do not, throw away your confidence. We'll bring you a great reward. Our confidence is in God. Amen? It's nowhere else but in God. He said one imparted keys to the kingdom of God is confidence in God. When we have confidence in God, know in your heart that your faith will reward you. 
Know in your heart that your faith will reward you. 1 John 5, 14, 15. Verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will what? He hears us. God looks for prayer. When he hears prayer in faith, he gives the answer. He's a hearer of faith, but he gives answers. And I don't know, but I believe I know that a lot of you, and I know our family, need some healing power in our family. Is our family the only one here this morning needs the healing power of God in their lives? In your flesh, in your mind, in your spirit, the healing power of God. He wants to heal us. Verse 15, if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. Abraham was commanded. He'd never done that before. He was commanded to pray for Abimelech's wives and all his handmaidens were barren because God had clothed up their womb where they could not bear fruit. What door God closes, no man can open. But when God asked the individual to pray for the door that he closed, I guarantee the door is going to be open. When you hear from God, obey God, and something miraculous is going to happen. Not only in your life, we'll share something there, other people are depending on our prayers and our walk with God and having fellowship with God. So as he prayed here, God opened the wounds of these women. And something else happened. Sarah is 75 years of age. And Abraham's 100. They have never had a child. But as soon as he prayed, Glory to God. For this wicked king, for God to bless this wicked king and his family, as soon as Abraham prayed for them, immediately the Bible said in the next chapter, the first verse, that God opened the womb of Sarah and she conceived. When we pray for others that has misused us, been bitter toward us, falsely accuse us, find fault with us, when we fall down on our hands and knees and not pray that, as some people say, the train had hit them, but pray the blessings of God upon them, that God will bless them abundantly, even though we don't have that same kind of blessing we're praying for, but to pray for them abundantly. And when Abraham did that, when he obeyed the commandment that God had given him to pray for those people that had done him wrong, done Sarah wrong, God opened their wombs, and immediately he opened Sarah's womb, and that's where we get Isaac. You ought to say amen. So when something happens in your life, begin to pray that God will do something. Abraham had confidence in God's spoken word that he would use him. So he prayed as God had commanded him. He began to pray. God singled out Abraham. He chained the barren woman to a fruitful woman, to barren fruit. Title is subject, the barren becomes fruitful. So it began to be bring forth fruit. As Abraham prayed for others, the blessings of God automatically began to what? 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First the kingdom of God is pray for blessings on others. And then all these things that we would like to have starts coming to us freely. The blessings of God begin to come in our life. Healing. The barren wounds healed. We have two other men in the Bible. One of them is uh, Isaac. And one of them is Jacob. They're falling under the generation curse. You might believe in the generation curse. What Grandpa had, I'm going to have. Listen, the generation curse has been broken by Jesus Christ. Somebody's going to have to learn to start standing in the gap, grabbing hold of the horn of the altar, and say, Hallelujah. Ronald Reagan was known as a man that had an elephant hide, or Ron Nestor's hide. He was known as a man that said, The book stops here. We need to stand up and tell the devil, It stops with me. It does not follow my generation. And you go to the doctor, and I know they're trained to do that. The first thing they asked you, did your grandpa had it? Did your papa had it? And the first thing he starts saying, yes. Well, he, then he said, you're going to get it if you hadn't got it now. But I want you to know that there's a generation curse when Jesus Christ came on this world. He broke the curse of generation off the families of his children and blessed them. Isaac gets married to Rebecca. He's 40 years of age. He'd been married 20 years, and nothing has happened. He's 60 years old, and nothing has happened. No children are being born to him. So he entreats God and asks him about the situation. And when he did, God opens Sarah's, I mean, Rebecca's womb, and she brought forth two men, meaning two nations, came out of her as he sought God. If you're barren this morning, I want to encourage you to seek God and he will give you the answer and he will show you what you need to do and your answer will come from God. Can I have an amen? Don't look for men for your answers. Look to God for your answers. Men don't have the answers for this world. I don't care who you elect and put in office. They do not have the answers for this world. But their lives is in God's hand like water is in a channel. And wherever God directs them to go, they're going to go. You say, well, they're evil. It don't make no difference. They are evil. God can use anything, anybody, because he's God. If he can cause a donkey to talk, he can use them. If he can cause a raven to feed Elijah down when the brook dries up, he can feed you in the worst drought famine in our lives. God is God, and he's always going to be God. He's going to change. The meek shall do what? In her what? Quit wrestling, frustrated about inheriting the earth. It's already belonged to you. Automatically just reach out and start taking what the promise of God has promised to us and blessed us with. So we have another man, Jacob. He's barren. His wife, Rachel, has no children. She asked him about it. He said, who am I? Am I God that I can give you children? Her womb was closed up. But Jacob went to God. He prayed to God. And God opened up her womb. And she bared a boy and named him Joseph. And then she bared another son and named him Benjamin. Joseph is the type of Jesus Christ. He's the type of Jesus. They put him in prison. They shaved his head, cleaned him up, and stood him before Pharaoh and made him second in charge. 
And then his brothers came down to see him. And the Bible said he looked on his brothers and he recognized his brothers, but his brothers didn't know him. He went into another room, closed the door, and wept aloud because they did not recognize that he was their savior. He was their redeemer. He was the one that was going to be able to get them out of the famine where they wouldn't die. He was going to be in charge of everything in all of Egypt, the greatest country on the face of the earth at that time. They did not recognize him. Jesus came to his own. His own did not know him, but he knew them. Apostle Paul was one of the strictest sect of a religion of his time, knew more about the scriptures than anybody else of his time, but he did not know who Jesus was. God wants us to know him in the fullness of his power and all of his glory and all of his grace and all of his honor. That's one thing he wants us to know him. You might know him in the scriptures, but did you know him in your heart? Paul knew him only after the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then this was his cry. I want to know him in the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. No cross, no crown. More people are looking for the crown than they are looking for the cross. Begin to look for the cross, death to ourselves, then the crown will come. That, that's the plan of God. The cross first, then the crown. We must bear our own cross, and God will bless us. As we, as Abraham, prayed for others, God will open up blessings of heaven, praising God. I know we receive offering. But book of Malachi says, bring all your tithes and offering in the storehouse and he'll do what? What's he going to do? And do what? You can't receive. Now, I want to encourage you. When you start putting your tithes and offering in that basket, I don't know what this young man's name is, but I tell you this morning, he had his envelope filled out and laying on his lap. I said, you ready, aren't you? And he said, I'm ready to give this morning. I want you to recognize when you give in that, hallelujah, and glory to God. Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap. Praise God. Praise God. Some people said, I give and don't never expect to receive. I don't expect nothing in return. That's why the blessings are born you. Because you're giving, you're not expecting. Peggy told me yesterday, she told me this before, I think she won something yesterday. Is that right? And she wanted to pass it on. And God told her again, I think yesterday, said, I've been trying to bless you all these years, but you keep passing it on, so to speak. I want to bless you. How many believe that God wants to bless you? When you put your tithes and offering in that, you need to start recognizing and thanking God and begin to tell God, listen, I'm a tithe giver. I'm an offer giver. I expect something in return. He said, you told me you're going to open up the windows from heaven and pour me out of blessings I'm not able to receive. I am ready to receive what you said you was going to do. We have not because we ask not. God wants you blessed. You ought to shout, God wants me blessed. In everything you do, he wants you blessed. That's the plan of God. The plan of the devil is to take away. God is to give, to bless you. I don't know, did you take that gift yesterday? She took that gift. Okay. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God.
Elisha died with a sickness. He had a sickness. He died. They buried him. Before they get the dirt on him, they threw another man on top of him. What happened? Boy, what happened? Come to life. How many know that God has called us to be what? Life givers. We're called to give life. We got a virus that's sweeping the, the world. They can't, ain't got it under control yet. They say the flu is probably worse than it ever has been. You can catch the flu from what? I believe it's time for the church and the world start catching something from the church. Huh? If we can catch it from the world, the world ought to catch something from us. If we can go to Walmart and get a hold of a buggy that got germs on it and we catch the flu, how much more so that God is saying you're different from the world and Peter shatter healed the sick, what he had gave to the sick. I believe God is saying I want some people to rise up, be anointed in God that can give something out of them. Elisha gave something out of him after he was dead. He gave life to a dead man. God wants us to be life givers. He breaks open the womb where life can come out and where that life can give life and give life. Jeroboam was God's chosen king for the ten tribes of Israel. God chose him. But he got off track, Ken. He got off track. Ken done a good lesson on the job. I mean, no, you can get off track. He had a good beginning. He had a good start. But he got off track. He was so afraid that the children of Israel were going to stop down at Judea and go in the house of God and worship the room, the one and only true God. Fear got in his heart. So he built him a golden calf. That idea came out of Egypt. Aaron built a golden calf in the wilderness. I don't know why it's taken generations for them to get away from the golden calf, building a golden calf and falling down and worshiping an idol. But Jeroboam did this. You know, God will always, you notice in the Old Testament, he almost put up with anything with his people. But there's one thing he never would put up with. That's idolatry. Worshiping false god. It's like money is a false god. It, it, it's manna. It means idols. Glory to God. And God sent a prophet down there. The Bible doesn't even name this prophet. Didn't even call his name. Didn't even call his name. We're living in a world today that wants recognition. They want recognition. But God is wanting somebody, oh, glory to God, to operate under his authority and look not for no recognition. And look not for no recognition. And this prophet came down there. And when he came, this unnamed prophet, he came to Bethel and he prophesied against the golden calf. And when he did, that golden calf split. God wants anointing in our lives where we can speak to things and watch it destroyed. Glory to God. And I probably ain't got no right preaching this sermon this morning the way I've been sick for the last few weeks, but I'm coming back. Praise God. I'm going to share with you something here later in the Bible that men and men in this Bible got sick, but God healed them. 
you may get Sister Linda, you've been sick. I know she had a dangerous shingles up here, and they sent her to ice and said, you need to go see an eye doctor. But I'm saying there's healing in that life. Huh? He spoke to this thing. He just spoke to it. No wonder the Bible said, I would that you would prophesy. I would that you'd learn to speak to your mountains. Like Ken said this morning, I believe it was Isaiah, was it 45 in the last verse? You break all the yokes that comes in your life. Get so anointed, we start breaking things in our life. He spoke to that golden calf. That golden calf bursted, or however you want to say it, just blew up into pieces. And the king got mad, Jeroboam got mad and reached his hand out toward the prophet. And when he did, that arm withered. It withered. No wonder God said, touch not my children's anointings in them. Listen, when we get so anointed in God and the power and the glory of God in our lives like God intends us to be, when that devil stretches his hand out to hit us, listen, there's going to be anointing in us. Hallelujah, Lord, that destroys that thing that comes against us. The Bible said that no enemy shall come against you. It don't mean you're not going to, that don't mean you're not going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. You can't live in this world without trouble. I talk to a lot of people, they want to pray that I won't have no trouble. Well, that's not going to happen. You, you frustrate yourself and God when you pray like that. Pray that you're going to overcome it. That's the one that gets the crown, the one that overcomes. And when that king's arm withered, it withered. The golden calf is destroyed. Now his arm is withered because he went to touch the prophet of God. And then this king says, would you pray for my arm? Would you pray for my arm? I've seen you destroy that calf. Just spoke to it and you've seen it destroyed. Now my arm is withered and I can't use it no more because I struck it out against you. Would you pray for my arm? What would you have done? What would I have done? I said, just live with it, buddy. That's God's wrath upon you. I mean, you know, Jesus did not come to bring wrath. He came to deliver. Disciples said, you want us to call fire down on these people like Elijah did? He said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're in. When we speak judgments against people and fault finding and discouragement, we don't know what kind of spirit we're in. Y'all want to know what the prophet did? He reached out his hand, prayed for him, and immediately the arm was restored. God is in restoring business. Jesus is in restoring business. He didn't come to condemn. He was not pleased with the woman caught in the very act of adultery, but he didn't condemn her. He said, go thy way and sin no more. I've released you. I don't condemn you. I set you free. And that's what God has called us to do, to set us free. Several years ago, they had a funeral here. A young boy drowned right up here at Lake Bright Patman. They wanted to have the funeral here. This place was packed out, packed out. I attended it, didn't preach it. This guy walked up to the pulpit and looked out across the congregation. He said, I didn't know the boy, and I don't know one member of the family. I'm not here to say where he might be or this or that. I'm here to preach to you there is an hereafter here. We're not to say thus or that, but we know from the Scripture there's a hereafter. And we're preparing ourselves for that, right? It's the, Romans said, it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. Paul said, he drew me with cords of love. 
David said the same thing. It's the love of God that we don't all perish. All perish, but it's the love of God. Let us read something from Psalm 35 and 13. The anointing destroys what? The yoke. Destroys the yoke. I, I guess it's intended for us to get sick sometime because the book of James said, if any among you, what? That sort of lets me know, you know, I don't like getting sick. I'm a baby, you know. Gina was going to have all three of her kids naturally. Peggy didn't think she could ever do it. Says she's not a person who can take pain. But I'm telling you, she went through it just like that. I mean, just, just breezed right on through it just like that. How many of you men know that women can take more pain than we can? Huh? I'm sort of a baby when it comes to pain. Any of the rest of you men like that? But you take a woman can really take some pain. I'm not talking about childbirth, what they go through with. But here is something here. It tells us in Psalm 35 and 13. And David's praying. David had a man after God's own heart. He was a sympathetic man, even though he was a man of war. He mourned when Saul was in ill health. His heart went into mourning for the sickness of his master. A beloved Jonathan has been separated from him. Michael, his wife, has been separated from him. And not only that, his parents have been separated down at Moab. They're all away from him. But he set himself to pray for the evil spirit that was on Saul, that's tormenting Saul day and night. You find this in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14 to 23. And he said, As of me, they were sick. My clothing with sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer returned unto me and to my own bosom. And all of you know the story. When he played on that harp, the soft music, what happened to Saul? Somebody help me out. I tell you, God has numerous weapons to use against the powers of evil. Here's a man praying for the man that's been chasing him, wanting to kill him for 20-something years. Never would touch him. Had two opportunities to take his life where God did, delivered Saul in his hand, but he wouldn't touch him. His men said, if you let us, if you don't want to take the responsibility, we'll do it. He said, no, don't, don't touch him. He went down and cut off a part of his garment one night just to show him what he could happen to him. And the Bible said his heart smote him because he had touched God's anointing. But here we find him laying in sackcloth and ashes and weeping for his master that has an evil spirit in him. So when he began to pray that heart, those evil spirits left Saul. When we began to pray, when Job prayed for the men that sat beside him and criticized him so much because of his sickness, accusing him of what sin he committed. When he prayed for them, God healed Job. When we learn to pray for other people with intensive prayer that's hurting, maybe we're hurting, then God will open the floodgates from heaven and heal us and deliver us. The barren becomes fruitful, bearing a lot of fruit. Let me read us something else about David's sickness. Psalm 38 and 7. For my loins are filled with the loathsome of disease. 
There is no soundness in my flesh. In other words, he's saying I'm hot, I'm dry. You know, sometimes you get sick, you go from being hot, is that right? And then you go and being cold, you can't sleep, all these things he goes on. He said, there's fire burning down within me. There's inflammation inside me. There's corruption coming out of my flesh. He was a sick man. He was sick. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He said, my wounds stink as one that's corrupted. He smelt so bad that people couldn't stay in the room with him. Sister Rhonda Mollum said something. I mean, sometimes you say something you don't know really what you're saying. I'm running around and knew what she was saying. She come up to me after the Wednesday night service, and she mentioned something about the little boy. Put two fishes or maybe two loaves. Where did he put them? In the hand of the Lord. Sister Rhonda, something struck me this week about that, about your comments. God says nothing in this world or beneath shall pluck you out of my hands. Huh? When you put it, glory to God, when you put it in God's hand, don't be like the person told me one time, I come down at the altar and I put it in God, God's hand. Before I got up, I picked it up and took it back with me. When you put it in God's hand, leave it in God's hand. That's where multiplication begins to start when you put it in God's hand. Jesus told the Father, said, All the disciples you have given me, I have kept them except for one. And that's for the Scripture to be fulfilled, that the son of perdition would be lost. But said, I have kept the rest of them. I may believe this morning that you believe that God has kept you in his hand. Huh? And your multiplication came because you put it in God's hand. You left it there, and when you left it there, it began to multiply. It began to multiply. We need to not be fretting about what's going to happen in these elections. We need to pray and believe their lives is in God's hand like water is in a channel. He will direct it whichever way that pleases him. He opens the barren wounds, and they become fruitful. And they begin to start to bear. I'm going to ask you if you have a need. You would like, when we finish here, to come down and leave something at the altar. King David was ill. And the people stayed away from him because of the smell. Many, many years ago, a guy asked me to go pray for his father. They'd sent him from home. He had stomach cancer. It was horrible looking. Couldn't put a sheet over him. He was in the bed. They'd burn him up with cancer, burn his flesh with cancer. It was terrible. Listen, you, you can get in a terrible shape sometime, but I want you to know that God's the healer. God is the healer. There's a king in the Bible. Pride lifted him up. And God sold him into the field. 
eat grass like a cow. He lost his mind for seven years. We're hearing a lot of things about people suffering in their mind today. I'm here this morning to say to you that God can heal your mind. He healed this man when he repented. He changed his attitude. He healed his mind. He had a good mind. He healed the man that lived in the tomb that had no mind. But Jesus healed his mind. Praise God. Let me read your scripture right after. It could have been, they say, that could have been written right after David's sickness. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, to forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all of our iniquity, and who heals what? Can you imagine him saying that after he'd been healed of this dreadful sickness within him? He went on to say, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. I'm not going to go into that. I don't have time, but I've done some studying on that this week. God's plan is for your life to be renewed like an eagle. Now, you're going to die. Nobody said nothing. But you're going to die. But it's God's plan that you go to your grave how? And a good old age and what? And full of health. That's God's plan for your life. God wants you renewed. He wants your mind renewed. He wants your flesh renewed. He wants these things blessed in our lives. Let's go to the book of Jude. When Michael the archangel, there's two archangels now. There used to be three, Lucifer, and Michael, and Gabriel. They were the only three archangels in heaven. Lucifer get cast out because of pride. But we hear how Michael dealing with the devil in the book of Jude. And the devil was wanting to know where Moses was buried. Michael wasn't going to tell him because he don't know neither. Only God knows. I want you to notice what he tells the devil. I'm going to put it in a different translation. I am putting you in God's hand. You find that in the book of Jude. Let me give you the scripture number in case you want to go look it up. You might want to look it up in a different translation. And Michael said to them, Satan, I'm putting you in God's hand. Jude 19. If you want to come to the altar this morning, be like a king in the Bible when they've got a message from his enemy telling him what he's going to do to him. He went to the house of God. He wrote down on a piece of paper. He laid it on the altar. And he said, God, I want you to look what he's saying about you. He never recognized what the king said he was going to do to him. This wicked king. He said, now, God, I want you to look what he said about you. And when he did that and left it on that order, I mean, you know what God did. And I tell you, he turned that wicked king around and sent him off. And Michael is telling the devil, I'm putting you in God's hand. I'm going to let him deal with you. Listen, if he could cast Lucifer out of heaven like lightning, Every time you see lightning in the sky, you see the molecules are burning, you know that's how Lucifer left heaven, burning the molecules as he come out. Why don't you put your troubles in God's hand today? 
lay it up on the altar and leave it there. You don't have to come to the altar. You could do it right where you're sitting. I'm going to put all I have in God's hand. And I guarantee you, you'll start seeing multiplication. God is a God of multiplying. Sister Rhonda, I, mentioned, I appreciate you mentioning that. God wants us to come to Him. Peg and our hearts are grieved very deeply yesterday. We went to a funeral over in Arkansas late. The music was, was something. No scripture readings, no prayer, nothing. My heart was grieved, but so was hers. I wonder how many of these people knew God. God wants this world to know Him, to come to the knowledge of Him and the good things of God. Would you stand, please? We're going to pray together as we'll be praying tonight, looking for mighty things to happen. Why don't you just tell God, I'm going to put it in your hand tonight. Right this morning, I'm going to put, maybe you got a family member. Maybe you got something else. You say, I'm going to put it in God's hand. When you put it in Jesus' hand, you put it in the chief physician's hand. You put it in the hand that has all power and all authority, that has knowledge about everything. There's not anything he don't know. He wants to open up some barren wounds and bring some fruitfulness. Glory to God. Some of us want to come down and let's pray with Jane. Hallelujah. You want to just, just, just linger with the Lord for a little while? Let's just pray and tell God you're going to put it in his hand. Hallelujah. And you're going to leave it there and let him multiply it. Let him bring forth something that's never been brought forth before, Lord. Hallelujah. In the holy name of the Lord. God, we put ourselves in your hand today, Lord. Lord, that you direct our paths, God. You do to us whatever you please, God. We know that you have nothing planned for us but good things and the blessings of the Lord on our lives, God. And the goodness of God is going to be in our lives, oh God. I thank you this day, Lord, for the goodness of God. I thank you for prayers of answered here today, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. All needs are met according to your riches and glory, God. Lord, we look to you today, Lord, for things to be opened up today, Lord. And there'll be some fruit coming out today, Lord. There'll be releasing of something today, O oh God. Hallelujah. And the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. God. Amazing grace. Amen. It's amazing Hallelujah. what God can do. Yes. It's amazing what God does do. Praise Thank you, God. Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord. Like me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, the Lord. Jesus. Praise you, the Lord. Was blind, but now I see. Sing it today. Amazing grace, how sweet. The sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, praise God. Blind, but now I see. Sing it again. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I see Twas grace, twas grace That taught my heart to fear And grace my fears relieved How precious did that grace appear the hour I first began. My chains are gone. Chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Thank you, Amen. Amen. The Bible said those that know their God, the book of Daniel, shall do exploits. They shall win souls. They shall shine forth as the stars. It was the book of Daniel who Gabriel always dealing. Period. Giving instructions to them. God wants to do the same thing to us today. He wants angels to appear to us. I don't want to read just what happens in that Bible. I, I don't want to do that. I do it. I try to do it every day. But I want to see something done here. I want to see what happened to them happen to you. I don't want to just read about it. I want to see it visibly taking actions coming to pass the four gospels they saw something new every day something new on a fashion that's never been seen every day 
When I talk to people about this sometimes, they said, if you was to see that done every day, you get where you're not appreciated. When I'm not fasting, I eat food every day, and I appreciate it. Huh? I, I still love it. I, I still want it. Amen. God don't want us to just get complacent. He wants us to have more. To have more. How many believe you are meant for more than what you got? I'm not talking about financial things. I'm talking about spiritual things. God wants you to have more than what you got. He probably wants you to have more financial things if you need that too. But He wants you to go close to the Lord. This book is not black and red ink. It is the mind of God. Moved on by holy men. It is a spiritual book. From Genesis to Malachi, every prophet prophesied something about Jesus Christ. That's how he is so important to this world. And Jesus said, I come to you in the volume of the book. And I have fulfilled all the prophecy that God has said about me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all fulfill the promises that God has said about us? I am what? The light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper because I'm in you. I'm fighting your battles for you. Praise God. We're the branch and he's what? I'll share this at another time. The branch is not have to struggle and labor. All it has to do is draw juice from the vine and the fruit appears. That's all it has to do. Just sit there and enjoy it. Go home and enjoy this afternoon. Enjoy a wonderful day of relationship with Jesus Christ. God bless you. You're dismissed in the Lord.